0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. SoupX, the Startup Expo, North America's premier startup conference, is March 6th and 7th, 2017, in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Affordably priced, supex is a two-day international conference featuring workshops panels speeches a fifty thousand dollar startup competition and over a hundred exhibitors for more information go to sup-x.org welcome back to the show today we have carl schurgren he's a blogger and author of the fair share model carl welcome back to the show hi thanks nice to be here kevin yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you're what you're doing and, and kind of you your the book that you you know you're writing is, is really interesting to me. And so maybe let's kind of get into exactly what your book and the fair share model is about kind of before we get to know your background. So maybe do you wanna give kind of a quick overview of what the fair share model is and kind of why you're writing the book?
1: Great. Um Well, so The Fair Share Model is a book uh, that I'm working on, I'm crowdfunding for, and it's about an idea to reimagine capitalism, basically at a high level the relationship between capital and labor, more specifically investors and employees of venture-stage companies. So it's designed for a company that wants to raise venture capital in a public offering, an IPO, Okay. And the way it works is there's two classes of stock, both of which vote. One trades in the market and one cannot trade. Investors get the tradable stock. Employees, for their future services, get the non-tradable stock. Okay. Based on milestones, the employee non-tradable stock converts into the tradable investor stock.
0: And that's it. Okay, so I, I guess for, for those people that don't really understand kind of how the whole kind of investment venture capital um, space really works, do you maybe want to break down why the fair share model is different?
1: Sure. And, and people who, by the way, have difficulty um, describing what a capital structure is, Okay. Is my target audience. Okay. I, I would say it's probably 70% of okay. the people
0: I'm writing for. Okay.
1: And so, 30% are experts.
0: Okay, so for people that don't know what the capital structure is, do you maybe want to kind of cover that quickly before you kind of answer that?
1: Sure. So capital structure is like a company's constitution. It's like the DNA for how ownership interests are divided. Okay. Ownership interests in terms of voting power and economic rights, that could be a right to a dividend, right to profits uh, or whatever. But it's, it's basically the contract between the people who provide capital and the people who are working for the company. Okay. And there's also a capital structure will assign different interests to different levels of investors depending on perhaps when they invested or what the terms were. So. In, uh, in you'll have different in private companies, different rounds of investment yep. will have different rights associated with them, and and so you could have a company that is half owned by people in one round of capital and half owned by another, but the first round may have disproportionate Right. They may control 70% or they may be entitled to 70% of the reward. Um, So, capital structure is basically the contract amongst all these different groups of shareholders.
0: Okay. No, that makes sense. Okay. So, then how, so then maybe describe what exactly the fair share model is based on that.
1: Well, it's designed to deal with the problem. Okay. And the problem is that it's very difficult to put a value on an early stage company. Sure. To determine what it's worth. Now sure. in a private offering, one that's not available to average investors, there's been techniques developed over the decades to deal with it. Um, special terms have been uh for capitalists, let's say, um, will get certain deal terms um, that protect them from overpaying for a position in a risky company. And the problem is that when it comes, if such a company, a venture stage company, raises capital in a public offering, there aren't any such deal terms that protect the public investor from overpaying for a position. So the fair share model is basically trying to develop for IPOs an equivalent to what venture capitalists secure in a private offering, which is deal terms that protect the investor from overpaying
0: for a position. Okay, interesting. So in your experience then, how is it – How's the model kind of been received from kind of the investor side, and then from kind of the employee side?
1: Well, I've taken some.
0: Uh, I have
1: uh, really gone and, and exposed the model to potential critics. I've gone out of my way to find people who would tell me, "Hey, you know, this you're thinking about it the wrong way. Or it's not going to work," and basically. The core criticism or challenge has been, will people like it? Sure. Um, That's it. Is there a market for it? Now, uh, I'll I'll tell you that uh, about a year and a half ago, I shared my full draft at that point with the then chairman of a significant regional bank, actually it's a national bank now, who focuses on venture capital clients. And his comment was that this is really important work. That there are that that the current venture funding model is not really scalable, and there are a lot of defects. And there's certainly defects when it comes to how such companies raise capital in the public offering. So there's if 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 you believe that uh, innovation. That benefits investors is possible in the venture space. The fair share model is for you. Okay. If you think if you think everything is uh, the, the way things are done now is uh, can't be improved on, you'll be a skeptic. But Got you. Skeptics haven't come up with a good argument as to why it wouldn't work, other than
0: maybe is there is there a market for it? Okay, interesting. No, that's that's fair, and then. Kind of on the employee or kind of person looking to raise money side, how's how how's the feedback been?
1: Well, there are companies that who who are looking at crowdfunding or uh, some of the Jobs Act related uh, uh, reforms that have made it less expensive for companies to raise. Um, venture capital and a public offering. Sure. Rig A Plus, for example, is, uh, is, is the prime one. And they're interested. But um, because, you know, they're, they're going to encounter the challenge of how do you market an offering? How do you pr- value a company? And they look at the fair share model as a way to make a fair deal between their employees and their investors. Uh, They also see the potential to use the fair share model to market, create some marketing juice for themselves by virtue of how they distribute their shares. You know, if they have, um, if if they use the fair share model they could attract uh, large numbers of average investors who would like the deal structure itself and be promoters of the company itself, helping it uh, market its products and services.
0: Sure. Okay. So I'm curious then, like, how would somebody say, like myself, I have a startup, I'm looking to, uh, you know, um, crowd some on some uh, venture capital. How do I kind of go about, you know, using the model to raise money? Well, so I imagine that companies who, who
1: are early adopters of the fair share model will have raised a round or
0: two of angel capital already. Okay, without the fair share model, correct?
1: Correct, right. Okay, okay. So you know, they, they've gotten to the point where they can demonstrate some potential viability. Gotcha. Um, you know, they, and, and so now they're looking to raise anywhere from... Five to thirty million dollars okay maybe more if uh, the amount of money doesn't really matter um, the more money you you're raising the the more realistic it's going to be um, but there's still venture stage, meaning they're still risky the prospects are uncertain and they're hard to value, okay, so rather than setting a, a valuation based on, on a perception of uh, future performance. They can say to, uh, to investors in the public offering, hey, you're, you're going to have all the liquidity. Um, our, our team of management and employees, we're not going to become wealthy because you bought stock in our company. We're going to have to perform. And, uh, that's sort of a nice way to approach the, uh, the capital markets.
0: Okay. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. So, do so, you... so the, and, and the more money you raise, the better your, your options are
1: as a company for where you're going to trade. You know, a, a $5 million offering is not going to have the same type of, uh, secondary market options that, uh. A thirty million dollar option
0: offering will have. Sure. Okay. No, that makes sense. So then, I'm I'm curious. Then, how involved do you get, kind of the employees or you know the kind of workers at the company when you guys are kind of looking to raise venture capital?
1: Well, so just to be clear, the I am putting out an idea. Okay. for how to do this. And I'm I'm not saying that there's a particular way to do it. In fact, I'm saying it's going to vary. It's going to vary based on the industry that a company is in. You know manufacturing would be different than software. Food would be different from medical devices, et cetera. Sure. Um it will vary based on the company's stage of development. Okay. And Actually, based on the personalities involved, and there could be some regional differences. It may be a uh, you know a, a Silicon Valley model, uh, another model that's popular in on the East Coast, sure. and another one you know in the Midwest. Um, so it, it it's sort of like talking about representative government as a a alternative to feudal rule. Uh, how how representative government takes place will vary sure. based on the times and the places involved. So the key thing about the fair share model is that it avoids the need to place a value on future performance at the time of the offering.
0: Okay. Okay. No, so that makes that,
1: sense. That's that, that's the key. Okay. So So a company basically says to its investors, we need money to do whatever we're going to do, and we don't know how successful it's going to be. But if we meet these particular milestones, we're demonstrating value. And so, IPO investor, you're going to get a really low valuation, a fabulous deal, but you are at risk of being diluted, possibly a lot if we perform well. So that's a different type of social contract, if you will, than in a standard IPO where a company will basically say its value is worth um, an amount that bakes into it presumed performance in the future. And that's, that's the key for for all of us, it's so hard to tell if a risky company is going to perform. And sure. VCs in private offerings, they have deal structures that will keep them from overpaying for that future performance. They'll have clawbacks. They'll have um, special privileges in the in, in the classes of the stock, preferential. Um, Uh, returns. They'll they'll have price guarantees that say that, oh, if an investor down the road pays less for their stock than we did, our price gets retroactively reduced. So there's all sorts of things that happen in private offerings that don't happen in public offerings. They happen in private offerings because it's so difficult to value an early-stage company. So the idea is if we can take that concept and uh, adapt it to public markets, then we're creating conditions where more people can benefit from investment in an entrepreneurial uh, culture. More companies could possibly attract capital. And there'd be this alignment between the interests, of investors and employees, because employees would be highly motivated to deliver the performance that's going to cause conversions of their non-tradable stock into tradable stock.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm kind of curious then, how did you kind of come up with the model? And like, what was your kind of reasoning that you were like you know this the system's kind of broken I need to kind of propose a new solution to this problem
1: Mm -hmm. Um, that's a good question Um, and it's an interesting tale so it started about 20 years ago oh wow and I was uh, doing uh, consulting CFO work with startups and turnarounds okay and, and I had a client that was in the environmental technology space, okay. which had a pretty cool technology. It had uh, licensed, it had been the first licensee of technology developed by the national labs, the, the Livermore labs out here, uh, that they were looking for ways to commercialize it. Okay. And, and so there was this technology... Um, that used a high-energy electron beam to blast molecules of complex, volatile uh, toxin. Could be fuel, could be things that are going up in smokestacks. Um, so they're toxic and, and they're volatile, meaning that they're in a sort of a vaporous form. So the technology was to concentrate a high-energy electron beam on these toxic molecules and basically bust them apart okay. into um, the the elements. So you, you wound up with um, hydrogen, salt, water, um, and, and uh, one other chemical uh, that was pretty easy to deal with as opposed to something that was very toxic. So it was a cool idea. But the environmental technology area wasn't very popular with venture capitalists back in the 90s okay. uh, because nobody was making money at it. And so this company was highly dependent, or totally dependent on angel investors. And it was hard. It was hard to, to uh, you know, raise the money that we needed. Uh, it was, uh, just took a lot of time. And there was another guy who was a consultant there John Wilson was his name, who had an idea for a different type of capital structure and sort of a dream for for the fair share model. But his idea was to uh, take this model and and, uh, encourage companies to build a network of investment clubs of, of average people who would Be interested in investing in early stage companies, and send to them an offering structure, uh, an offering, and and uh, they would basically become uh, public venture capitalists, but with a more friendly deal structure. His idea was sort of uh, beguiling to me uh, on a number of levels, but I didn't think it was that feasible. For one thing, uh, there was Securities laws back then tended to regulate the offering of securities, not the sale of securities. And you also had printing costs, and because you had to mail things, and it just seemed ungainly. But around 1997, as the use of the internet was growing, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission took adopted two positions. One is that they said they would begin to regulate the sale of securities, not the offering, not the offer of securities. And they were going to treat email, electronic delivery of documents the same same way as documents that were mailed, which really opened up the possibility that a a web-based solicitation of securities to take place within the framework of security flaw. So that really got things going with the 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 idea for the Fair Share model. And we formed a company called FairShare and I was the CEO and our our game was that we were going to build an online community of people who wanted to learn about valuation about capital structures, to create community where they could connect with each other and share due diligence on companies. And we said, once we got to a critical mass, we would invite companies that had public offerings, could be direct public offerings where there wasn't a broker-dealer involved or a broker-dealer. We'd invite them to pitch their deal to our members. And we would give them free access, no commission, no fees, um, provided that they had a legal offering that they had passed our due diligence, that they adopted the fair share model capital structure, and they allowed any of our members to buy as little as a hundred dollars in the offering. Okay. So that was really how we started. Um, we, uh, we wound up with about 16,000 opt-in members at the time. It uh, gave me some experience uh, writing about capital structures for people who didn't know what they were, um, but ultimately, we were too early, and um, so the concept uh, went, went into hibernation. Okay. So... It, I I awakened it again as the Jobs Act uh, discussion was uh, well underway. And what struck me was, boy, in 2011, 12, there was a lot more interest in entrepreneurialism entrepreneurialism, uh, and venture capital. You had uh, universities now offering degrees in entrepreneurship that uh, I can't say the word. <laughs> Entrepreneurship. Sure. Um, more people knew what valuation was, and the climate was just very different. Um, and I thought, well, you know, now that we're having a lot of these jobs-related developments in terms of platforms uh, that could be used to sell stuff, that aspect of the original fair share concept wasn't really needed. So there were going to be new ways for companies to sell stock. But what was lacking was a different idea on how to structure the offering so that it was friendly to the interest of the public investor, but also rewarding for the entrepreneurs. So that's what led me to to dust off some of the ideas that we had for fair share, uh, and repurpose the architecture of the capital structure in the book, the fair share model.
0: Okay, so I, I know you you kind of have an interesting approach to how you're you're doing doing the book, and and so do you maybe want to kind of cover. How you're, how you're doing a different approach to this. I, I know it's not really necessarily like a new concept, but I, I think it's interesting. And I think a lot of people still don't really realize kind of how you're going about getting this book published.
1: Well, I'm using a crowd uh, funding model from a company called InkShares in Oakland. And uh, basically I need to get uh, 250 pre-orders and they will... Finance the cost of uh, editing, doing an edit, um, and book design, and getting it published. Right. Um, so that's that's sort of a form of uh, of crowdfunding, if you will. And uh, I've got my full graph on my website, uh, FairShareModel.com. Um, and if you go to the Inkshares site, I N K S H A R E S, Inkshares. Inkshares and look for fair share model. You can see um, uh, what what the chapter looks like, or the first chapter, and place a pre order.
0: Sure. Okay. And then, how how much is it going to be to pre order?
1: Uh, ebook. I think with the discount that they give uh, new customers, ten dollars, and um, a twenty dollars, you get a print copy, an ebook, or oh, the print copy, I sign. That okay. might be worth something at some point. But, sure. in, in, you know, one of the aspects of your question, Kevin, I think, is how do you, how do you talk about capital structures to people who don't know? Totally. What they are. And um, that has been the biggest challenge um, because it, it, it's a bit of an obtuse subject. But if somebody starts to get it, they really start to get it. So um, I organized uh, the book in, in a way that I think lends itself to looking at a number of different concepts. Um, I introduced the idea of... think. I, I tell people, think of capital structures as art. Okay. I describe how when I go to a museum, you know, I'll, I'll look... At a piece of art uh, in different directions. Uh, I'll come close, I'll go back, I'll look at the placard. Um, and over time, I start to see things because I'm just noticing from a different perspective or different bits of information. And the key thing about the fair share model is that if you look at the offering process from the perspective of a public investor, it looks a lot different than it does from the perspective of a venture capitalist or from an angel investor or from an entrepreneur or somebody who's working for the entrepreneur. And so adopting the idea of how should I encourage public investors to take a chance on this company alters your whole sense as to how the the deal should be structured. Sure. Um, There's other analogies I use to try to bring people in. One that I really took a risk with was to bring in sex and sexuality. Okay. And, And what I said is think about where society was in the 1950s in terms of its attitudes toward about sex and sexuality and compare it to where they are now. Sure. And you'd say, wow, it's, like a it's really different. <laughs> yeah, but physiology hasn't changed. Um, our attitudes have changed, the way we think about it. Similarly, I say, how we think about capital structures and the relationship between capital and labor right now is akin to where society was in terms of how it thought about sex and sexuality in the 1950s sure so we're just at the beginning of rethinking capitalism and it's the it's one thing to say that at a very high level but it's another to kind of get down and to say, to, to say, how would you implement something different? What would be the goal? And that's what I'm trying to do with a fair share model. I'm not trying to get it all the way down because as I mentioned, how you would implement it will vary depending on the type of company and people involved. But there's some key concepts that really have legs, I think.
0: Okay. and. Do you maybe want to share again, just in case somebody's kind of turn, tuning in a bit late? Um, kind of what those key concepts would be.
1: Sure, and, and the key concept is it's hard to value a company, uh, a, a a venture stage company, because so much of the value is based on future performance, sure. doing things that haven't done in the past, and and so if you the way the fair share model works is there's two classes of stock one trades one doesn't both vote investors get the tradable stock they get the liquidity and the employees get a voting stock that can't trade but based on milestones can got you so it it the there's two fundamental risks that an investor in a venture stage company faces one is the risk of failure. Sure. That this company is not going to meet it, its goals. Heck, it may not even survive. Sure. It's hard to, to to protect yourself against that. It's just the nature of the risk. There's another risk though, valuation risk. And that is the risk of overpaying for a position in that company. An ownership position. And here's where venture capitalists have demonstrated a way to deal with it in private offering structures, they have different deal terms um, based on the type of stock that they get that protect provide in essence price protection. Okay. It, it provides uh, a preferential return to something, for example, called a liquidation preference, and Say most venture stage companies um, provide the the ultimate payoff for their investors by being acquired, right? And so there could be you know anywhere from a year to five years between the time that the capital is raised for the company and when you have this great event that it ultimately determines. How valuable the company was. Well, with a private offering deal, venture capitalists can say, well, I have a preference, a liquidation preference for when this company is going to be acquired. And I may be entitled to one time, three times, five times my investment before anybody else gets anything. Sure. It's sort of a nice, nice, way to to do the deal well the equivalent in the fair share model could be um, let's say a company raises ten million dollars and two years later it's acquired for 40 million right now so the way it would work is initially the only people who had the ability to sell their stocks would be the investors.
0: Gotcha. Uh,
1: the investors have provided to 10 million and, and let's say there were $5 million of, of uh, private capital raised. So you have $15 million worth of tradable stock out there. And uh, let, let's say it's a, a uh, medical biotech company that has something that is in clinical trials. So you don't even know if you're gonna sell anything. Sure. And two years later, they complete the clinical trials. And another drug company comes and acquires them for 40 million bucks. Okay. At that point, it's very clear what the performance was of the employees They 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 increase the value of the company. So at that point, both classes of stock have to agree on how to divvy up the uh, the acquisition price, and if they don't agree, there's no deal. But gotcha. clearly, you know, it, you know, the part of part of that social contract that was in the IPO maybe that okay, um, IPO investors are entitled to one or two times the uh, their investment before. And, and, and then the employees get two-thirds of the value above that. How, how these agreements are, are written, it, there's, there's no template. There's no rule. Um, but the idea that the IPO investor shouldn't pay at the IPO for performance that hasn't been delivered is the key one.
0: Yeah. So no, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious then. When do you think the actual book will will ship? Do you do you know yet, or is it still kind of too early on in kind of your uh, crowdfunding campaign? Uh, I intend to have it out first quarter of
1: two thousand seventeen. Okay. One one way or the other, the full draft uh, is on my website. I've got about. Two hundred um, and eighty pages, and I need to squeeze that down a little bit and add a few other thoughts. And one way or another, I'll have it uh, out there. If uh, you know, I'll mention uh, Kevin that if people are interested in valuation, I've got four chapters on it. There's a chapter on valuation concepts, uh, one on how to calculate a pre-money valuation, how it's different from a post-money valuation. There's a chapter on uh, how to evaluate a valuation, how other people do it. And then finally, there's a chapter on a proposal to have a valuation disclosure requirement. This is an idea I've got for how how To help capital markets uh, participants in the capital market make better decisions about valuation, so the idea is that the Securities and Exchange Commission should require all issuers, whether it's a private offering or public offering, to state in the offering what the company places its valuation at based on in the terms of your offering. So if a company's terms mean that they're giving themselves a pre-money valuation of $10 million, $100 million, $1 billion, they simply should stay in the offering. That's what it is. And the idea is that this data point will make it easier for third-party data aggregators to canvas the market and identify what comparables are for any kind of company. Much like in real estate. You know, if you look, look at a house, um, you, you don't just hear that, oh, the price is X. You, you can go online and you can see, well, what are similar houses selling for in that neighborhood? Sure. You can see what has been the price trend on that particular house
0: over the years.
1: Yep. And and so buyers and sellers alike can make better decisions about how to value a house. Well think imagine how it could work if companies could see, well, you know, what what are comparable companies in its particular space selling at? in terms of, and regardless of whether it's a private offering or a public offering. That would introduce a lot more efficiency into the capital market, because companies would then have an incentive to offer deals, basically, to attract investors. They might say, you know, we're doing X, Y, and Z in this technical space, and companies that are, are raising capital uh, and, and uh, in this general area, they're worth $100 million. Sure. We're, we're trying to raise some money and we're going to offer investors in this round a valuation of $80 million. Well, that would get some investor interest because they know that the risk of overpaying for a position is a lot
0: less no that makes yeah that makes a lot of sense um, but we're kind of coming to the end of the show so maybe let's end it with where people can get more information about um, the fair share model and your book
1: okay uh, a good place to start is www.fairsharemodel.com. Um, you can see my blog entries like you can see uh, articles uh, I've, I've written. Uh, you can see my full graph. You'll also see a link to the place where you can place a pre-order on Inkshare's uh, site. So fairsharemodel.com or Google Fairshare Model, and uh, you'll, you'll see it.
0: Perfect, Carl. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll do this again sometime. Great. Look forward to it, Kevin. All right, man. Well, you have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Okay. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. And keep going in the future.